Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to episode 94 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and I am back in the year 2020 with my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What up? And joining us on the couch is producer Jim Viscardi. I was really hoping for like a Barbara Walters joke. Oh, no, I don't. I don't have any of those. <laughs> I don't have any of those. Uh, I'm too old. I can barely make it up through those New Year's like lead in specials anymore. <laughs> But uh, we're back in 2020, but we're not done with all the business of 2019 yet. Mm-mm. We've got some stuff to clean up. We've been off for a while. We're happy to be back. We hope you guys had as much fun dodging family and friends around the holidays as we did. <laughs> but uh, it's time to get back to the business at hand here at Comic Book Nation. Um, first of all, thank you all who have been listening to our uh, Rise of Skywalker very first phone drop equipment failure in the there middle of the is. show. Jim is oh, No one heard it. Only the go people ahead, on the pick video saw it. Go, go ahead, pick, pick it up. Now. Pick it up. I don't need to people pick it up. listening don't the need The elephant is <laughs> in the room. Just go pick get it. it. Get your phone off the floor. Don't. Oh, really? <laughs> and you kick over the table, the pops. Jeez. It's a great way to start the new yeah, year. Yeah, oh, yeah. start the new year off All great. Right. Yeah. I mean, but I've had a lot of ominous, like, omens already in the new year. So, like, <laughs> here we are. But as I said, we're not done with 2019 yet. Uh, thank you to all of you who've been listening to our Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker bonus episode, which has quickly become our most downloaded episode by an insane degree, by two times the amount of our formal former <laughs> best, which is uh, good, I guess, for growth this yeah, show is yeah. go. Or you guys just really like our opinion on Star Wars, which e- either way is pretty miraculous. You know, that was my Christmas miracle. But we're not done talking yet because, of course, The Rise of Skywalker and everything happening around it is not done yet. And today we have to kind of jump into an update because, yes, already the release, the JJ Cut movement is on and popping and it is going down and we're going to talk about all of that. We're also going to talk about the new trailer for A Quiet Place 2, the sequel to one of the uh, more successful new horror franchises that's come out recently. And, of course, mm, we got to talk about (laughs) The Witcher. We had a review from uh, Matt and Mr. Rollin Bishop, our games editor, uh, before we left here. But now that we've all had a chance to take the holiday and really take in The Witcher, um, the show has become, I think it's, I mean, in terms of Netflix success, pretty pretty successful. Yeah. There's memes everywhere, quotes Netflix everywhere. It's getting, uh, it's getting there. But there's also been some controversy about some of the more unique choices for the show. So we're going to do that full spoilers Netflix discussion that we got to kind of wait until you guys binge through to discuss. And we're going to give you guys a preview of 2020, all the TV shows, movies, games, comics, things that we are going to be excited to be talking to you about this year. So we're going to talk about The Mandalorian and all, too. 
Uh, Is that in the Star Wars I, I section? I was kind of on the fence, but we were talking about Star Wars, so we'll throw it in there because All right. I thought it was too much time had passed since the end of the show, since we've been what, off. the end of the but, show? Uh, yeah. The end of the show happened. You could have thrown it in for your looking forward to stuff in 2020. Thing. Yeah, That's well, okay. we'll get to it. Right. Mando is going to be on our <laughs> radar, so we'll be talking about it. All right, that'll do it. Let's start at the top. As I said, this Rise of Skywalker discussion is not over, not Mm-mm. by a long shot. The movie has come out. <laughs> People have had their opinions. This has been easily, uh, Megan Peters, Queen of Anime, did an excellent article on comicbook.com, Star Wars, about how Rise of Skywalker very much is the second most divisive mm-hmm. you know, film in the entire Star Wars franchise, You know, right behind the one that preceded it, The Last <laughs> Jedi. Um, so... That whole thing has gone down, yeah, but it's still been a box office smash. Yeah, it's just so funny because in that being the most divisive, The Last Jedi had a very high critic score and a very low audience score, and Rise of Skywalker is the exact opposite, where it has a very uh, has a low-ish critic score and a very high audience. Hey, score. I've been saying all along, it's the people who are going to these premieres, those critics that are the problem, Brandon <laughs> Davis. <laughs> But I'm just kidding. BD, hope you're having a he great didn't year, go, He didn't go to Last Jedi. No, I, mean, I know. Oh, there you're, wait, he didn't? I did. That's oh, right. well, there you <laughs> go. Now we know why that whole thing fell apart. All right. Well, we're doing some uh, so fact So curious, finding. what was uh, Force Awakens as far as scores? As far as it was pretty, it was pretty, pretty even. even. It was yeah, pretty okay. even. that was like the only last time we were all together about Star Wars <laughs> okay. at all. Well, that's what everyone was excited for. Yeah. It. it was the it first was Star Wars movie in different time. Like, yeah, time. Last time we'd all be together again on Star Wars, or pretty much anything culturally at all. Look, but, four uh, years ago is a long time. Yeah, <laughs> not to say the least. But so, where is the conversation about Rise of Skywalker now? Well, over the course after the first and within the second week of release. Of course, people have begun to dissect the movie. The conspiracy details theories are, and conspiracy so theories has popped up on social media and the internet over in Reddit threads. And basically what this the whole main thrust of this is that so-called insiders who were close to production on Rise of Skywalker allegedly claim that the movie was kind of hacked up and changed by Disney to the point where they basically took J.J. Abrams hostage or didn't even tell him certain things that were going to be changed. And there was a whole, there's a whole Reddit thread of lists of things that would have been different in The Rise of Skywalker from the ending to the relationships. Those are two of the biggest points that people have really latched onto to epic cameo sequence that would have been in the film. And this has caused people to think that, of course, in our culture these days for these big blockbuster franchise films, now people are claiming this isn't the version, the true version of Rise of Skywalker, that J.J. Abrams must have some cut of his original version of the film, which is clocked in around three hours. Yeah, well, I think that, so like that that three hours mark, I think is from what, from what other people have said is J.J.'s assembly cut. Yeah. And, and I would figure that would be true. The assembly yeah. cut. If you're not familiar with the term, the assembly cut is basically like a rough cut of the film that a director puts together with everything they have in it before it gets trimmed down mm-hmm. to a theatrical, the theatrical cut, cut. Um, which is the studio coming back and saying, can you get this down to two hours so we can have multi, you know X amount of showings, yeah. make X amount of money and all the calculations that go into it. So the filmmaker tells the story he or she wants to tell or the story he or she can actually get on film. The studio comes in, they trim it down to the manageable movie time that you see. So his assembly cut was said to be three hours, but now that's conflated with if this is the true cut of Rise of Skywalker, all Mm -hmm. that stuff. So you guys know the drill about this because you were assumedly listening to this show in 2019 and heard (laughs) the multiple sagas of the Justice League Snyder cut, which is also still ongoing. Mm -hmm. But this new, uh, yeah, J.J. cut of Star Wars 
Rise of Skywalker is now officially a thing because as of today, it was a top trending topic on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And now it's slowly pulling people in like, what's what's this JJ cut? And here we go. Well, and it also doesn't help that the film editor for the movie has gone out and said that they were they have they had well first of all they had three months less than the Force Awakens to edit Rise of Skywalker so much so that the editor was on set with JJ literally editing the movie as he was finishing shots and and it's it's so crazy because one of the big conspiracy things that had popped up uh, over the last week or so was the final scene in the movie yeah hold on let's Go. say spoiler spoilers. warnings there's going to be we're a gonna whole talk about gonna spoilers, spoilers from this point of rise of skywalker yes. skip three minutes or so if you don't want to hear them yes but yeah it's spoiler time because there's no way to talk about this without spoilers yep. so one of the big conspiracy theories was at the end of the movie when ray is looking up and on tatooine at the two sons that that shot was an identical shot of the uh, i forget the name of the desert planet they were on where the jet troopers come at them um navarro navarro yeah, yeah when they're on when they're on navarro saying that it was just a recycled shot because of the editing crunch that that they had to get through uh one of our guys patrick cavanaugh one of our head uh, star wars writers got to talk to the editor about that shot and she admitted she said it's not a recycled shot but yes, that shot was shot when we were filming the Navarro scenes, but we had already intended to use that as the end of, end scene of the movie being on Tatooine. So while yes, the Star Wars fans were right in noticing a lot of very, you know, the similarities, but that was intentional and filmed for two so very no tin different foil purposes. Hats, so no, no tinfoil hats. Because that's, that's just standard film practice. <laughs> yeah. Right. If you're, if you're in a movie, and let's just explain, if you're in a movie that's going to be jumping locations, any blockbuster movie, and you, Star Wars, is, this one is like on an ice planet, a yeah. jungle planet, a water planet, and a mm, desert it's planet. Donkey Kong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when you are going to be in, if you have two different desert planets, say Navarro and Tatooine, then as, as a practical matter in production, yes, you film both scenes while you are in mm-hmm. yeah. the desert location and climate, and, and you film both locations and everything that's needed for both. So this isn't, like, this is not at all uncommon in movies. But that was one thing. The other thing was Oscar Isaac kind of hinting that there was, uh, like, J.J. was going to maybe lean more into this Finn Poe, like, you know, LGBTQ yeah. relationship, which has been, like, a big fan favorite ship throughout this whole Star Wars sequel trilogy. But Disney kind of acts that is the rumor, and that's also echoed in this. There's another one about Ben Solo maybe having lived at the end instead of dying. Um, right, one about a conversation having happened between Ray and yeah. Kylo during that scene. A conversation with Ray and Finn about him being force sensitive and mm-hmm. how he actually has to use the power in the movie uh, during that starship uh, with him and the new character, whatever her name this is. Probably what the thing he was trying to tell her and that never got resolved. Yeah, well, yeah. that was confirmed. Okay, yeah. um, that what he was going to tell her was that he was force sensitive, which is something that had been at play since the very beginning of the yeah. sequel trilogy for why he was able to wake himself up from his stormtrooper programming and do that whole thing. And that he would have needed in that battle with the Star Destroyers to use it to actually move something with his, with his mind, like and actually access powers of the Force. Um, yeah, and then the list goes on and on. I can like the the Reddit thread is pretty thorough mm-hmm. about going through. Um, and for some people, that's given it a lot of credit because they think that like the detail, the level of detail that's being explained here, yeah. kind of authenticates it. But there's no way to verify this right now because again, this is all from an inside source on the internet threads who yeah. allegedly says. So you just got to take it with a grain of salt. But 
The important thing is how this is affecting the fandom um, and, and what the reaction has been, because I've been kind of monitoring what's going on with Rise of Skywalker. And yeah, there are a lot of people who are upset about this film, not just because it's like Last Jedi or not like Last Jedi, but because of the actual decisions that are made. There's a whole Kylo Ren, Ben Solo camp of fans that are just so broken up about how this ended. There's whole things about Rey and taking on mm-hmm. the Skywalker name. But people feel some kind of way. And I feel like it's just becoming this weird trend that when we see a movie we don't like, like it used to be that you had the fantasy of a movie you in your head going in, preconceived notions, then you came out. And if you saw something you didn't like, then you went and talked to your friends about like, oh, I wish it had been this, that, or yeah. the other. But now we've gotten to the point where people think there's like this level of control where you can start petitions and yeah. you know social media trends and somehow bully studios into revealing the quote unquote real version. I mean, you could which say, is AKA the version you wanted or preferred to see. Yeah, you could say un- entitled. I mean, right? There's a there's a general feeling of yeah. I mean, it seems to come up with every that. big movie yeah. since Justice League, and now it's coming up with games and it's coming up with TV. Like it's everywhere now. Like you can't get it around. Yeah, and it's like, but it, like ever since Justice League, it's like Avengers Endgame comes out, yeah. and then even that movie. That like few mm-hmm. people had a problem with, <laughs> made a ton of money, most profitable, like highest grossing movie in the world. And people are still like, what about that Russo Brothers cut? And it takes them to coming out and just being like, no, like yeah. we put up everything we shot. It was already. We don't have anything. Come look, here's a here's a vlog tour of our closet. There is yeah. no reels of film in here. It was like, too long to begin well, with. I think also, I think also too, because JJ has also said that he's got he has a bunch of deleted scenes too that. You know, inevitably make Blu-ray releases and things like that. Yeah. Where the difference is uh, on the like in Avengers Endgame, like there were very, very few yeah. deleted scenes that made it uh, to that. There may have been a handful. Uh, now there was a bunch of stuff that was in the script that never got filmed, but that's the whole. That's well, totally every different. single sequence we've seen from Endgame post, everyone went, "Yeah, okay, we're." We, for the most part, the majority of people are like, we're good that that didn't, oh, right, that yeah. didn't really need to make like it that, in that post. I will be Death curious one. if oh. that's the case when this comes rise out. comes out and you see no. all the scenes. Well, well, I wonder now if like Disney's going to hold some of them back because they don't. Well, this is the other side of this because I've, like I said, I've been following everything about this movie on social media since I, we, we've been on break and mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I don't really take breaks. So instead of actively doing stuff, I've just been reading social media and like seeing what's going on with this film. And it just seems like not only do I feel like there's a little bit more weight to this one because of the level of detail that's in it and it collects like various news things people said, you know, have said or things hinted at like Oscar Isaac actually did hint mm-hmm. at there may have been like a Finpo of Disney overlords. And I think were his words didn't mm-hmm. put the kibosh on it. Um, Finn or John Boyega has barely been restrained in saying like <laughs> F what happened Weird. to yeah, Finn no. in these movies. Uh, Kelly Marie Tran has just been laughing off. Like, if you go through their their entire threads of people who have compiled all the interviews, all these directors like JJ and all the stars of Rise of Skywalker have done, and to highlight the clear points where it looks like they're just coming up against their media training so hard. Like, when Kelly Marie Tran's asked, What do you think about Rose's arc in this film? And she just bursts out laughing. And it's just like, yeah. Which was a great <laughs> or, Oscar, mission, by the way. or there's an entire thread just to Oscar Isaac just trying to hold like well, on top hide of the fact disdain. that he just looks so oh yeah, he's yeah. so over <laughs> this press tour and yeah. just but even rock. but even just particularly this film. Yeah. Like when asked like how is this film? And he's just like, Ugh. 
And like all of them, Daisy, Daisy Ridley, like all of them seem pretty kind of short. JJ's been kind of doing verbal gymnastics in the press for weeks now. Well, but he, but he, JJ's gone completely off the radar since the movie came out. It's all been yeah. Chris Terrio taking all the bullets. Ooh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. JJ's like, I'm out. Yeah. He's like that gig <laughs> where the break. dude puts up the peace sign yeah. and fades out. You take him. And yeah. boy, ugh. And it's going to be interesting to see, like, Zack Snyder, once these contracts are up and the obligations are up and the home release is out and all the money's tallied, like, what J.J. Abrams says then is going to be very interesting because he is a, a, a consummate company man. Mm-hmm. And so it's not surprising if he's been and He's not stupid. He wants to yeah. work with Disney. And yeah, he, he wants, wants to that work Disney, Disney money. He wants mm-hmm. those bidding wars. He wants those bidding yeah. wars to continue. He's not going to screw oh, it over. Oh, I forgot about film. that part. There's this. So the whole thing about this conspiracy theory about Disney mucking with J.J.'s film, where it goes full, I mean, tinfoil sombrero, not even hat, full sombrero. People saying that, Disney did this to ruin JJ's reputation. Wow. So that like he's not attractive and his bad robot imprint isn't as attractive to to studios like Warner Brothers and mm-hmm. things like that. So they can lower his market value to hold on to him essentially and get him to do more stuff for them. That's the dumbest thing. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly. the dumbest thing I've ever heard. This is where we are. This is I'm peak, so sorry. This is no. peak like crazed fandom culture now. Like, they're not sabotaging their own. One, their own movie, and two, mm-hmm. why? Why would that's just? Oh my gosh! Okay, but that's where we are. If you want to go down Reddit territory, right? yeah, you're going to be down the Reddit rabbit hole in Wonderland, my friend. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're not going to go too deep true. on all that because that's crazy. But um, yeah, it's real. I think there will be in the end. I will just say, I think Rise of Skywalker is going to be a lot messier when we finally, when all the media, you know, when they drop that curtain to keep everything looking nice for premieres and. In box office tallies, I think there's going to be a story here, and I'm kind of interested to see what it is because it seems like the cast more than more more so than most movie cast I've ever seen. Like I feel like they got screwed in this movie, and they just like are not happy about it. But what's crazy is if you, I feel like I want someone to do what they did for Obama, like at the beginning of his presidency, and at the end where they would show pictures of him yeah. coming in the office, and then like the gray coming in at the end. I want someone to do that to the cast of Star Wars. <laughs> So I want them to show like the first image, the first interview they did where they're all smiling and they're mm-hmm. all golden. And then the very last one they ever do for this. And I want to see the comparison because that's going to be something else. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> funny. Um, the interviews are pretty funny. I mean, everybody just has like, like the, even Dom Hall Gleason. That's the one where the person's like, this will be great for the DVD extras. And he's just like going off. He's like, because that's what the kids are like in these days. That's what we do it for, those DVD extras. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to me, Ridley has been the one to keep herself the most out of the muck. Like, yes. Well, I mean, because she's just straight up not have it. She knows how to pull out that British lady thing. Yeah, she's she's done the best job. She's just like... Because Finn can't stop, like Finn. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop talking. Is there is there someone from this group who we think is going to inevitably end up like Hayden Christensen and just fade away from public eye after all this? No, I or mean no? all these people still have too many, too much career trajectory. I mean Kelly Marie Tran would be the only person I would see, mm. and I don't think I don't think people will let her. Fame. No, I mean, I there's there's a whole, she's a got movement. a whole yep. movement behind her yeah, champion, just true. like Ryan Definitely Johnson. Definitely won't be Oscar Isaac. No, no, and I don't think, like, I don't think it'll be I really, think Oscar Isaac will go back to making real indie, like, prestige things. I think Boyega yeah. will get some other role that will just, like, you know, will will cement him in that. I think he needs that, because, you know, like, he tried Pacific Rim, and that didn't end up being, like, the franchise Yeah, I think he's learning, starter. like, attack the block is more his, his <laughs> niche. Um, <laughs> like, but, yeah, I don't really see that happening, you know, for these guys. No. 
I think, I mean, they're all too, I mean, the game is so much different now. And like, yeah. they're all and like, it's not going to happen for Adam Driver. Be a quadruple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And but I think superstar. Adam Driver's done with any kind of big budget franchise ever. I think he's learned where he, he found belongs. That, marriage story. Yeah, not, he's found this that niche, be, man. This can be more clear for him. It's marriage story, not Star Wars. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's what he needs to do with his career. And yeah, because he's faded away long before for JJ. I mean, he hasn't oh, even yeah, done he anything. He has not said a word about this film mm-hmm. and, or anything. So, you know, I don't know. But. I'm sure you guys have thoughts about The Rise of Skywalker. Please let us know at the hashtag Comic Book Nation because, as we said, uh, this, this conversation is still ongoing, but we got to move on. So we're going to take a break, but when we get back, we are going to discuss the trailer for A Quiet Place 2 and jump talk about The Witcher plus what we're looking forward to in 2020. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now, imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, so we're not going to spend too much time because we spent a lot of time just talking about Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> but a Quiet Place 2 trailer came out, started off the year as a nice kind of happy new year present to us film fans. And um, if you if you saw it, I like this trailer. It's a very loud trailer. Oh, it's surprisingly loud. Um, mm-hmm. it, it kind of takes away because, which is a nice play on things. Basically, yep. what the trailer is, is it takes a note out of like it, to like it too's playbook and some mm-hmm. other horror things where the trend is kind of coming back now to show an entire clip of a scene yeah. uh, instead of just like a random trailer setting up something bad happening and then flashes of stuff. Um, and so the scene we get is actually like kind of a very much a World War Z type thing where we flash back to when the world fell apart with these sound monsters invading and it's Emily Blunt's character and the kids driving in a car when they're going down like Main Street of their town, when all of this starts happening, mm-hmm. and it is pretty good. Like Jim said, it's very loud. I mean, chaotic. If you saw the first episode of Watchmen, that was a real, you know, massacre. But this is yeah, one with monsters, and it's it's shot really well and creepy. John Krasinski shows off like, you know, he has some camera skills. Like there are mm-hmm. a lot of great shots. The bus, my favorite yeah, was like that's the no, cars yeah, awesome. coming up the street, and then they see a bus just barreling towards them. So Emily Blunt like hits the reverse and is trying to speed back out of there, and it gets so. The, the way it's just the speed, like yeah. the sense mm-hmm. of speed there had me like, oh my God, it's going to get, yeah, edge all the way out of that clip. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And the best part is as soon as the bus gets like right up in their face, you're worried about like the bus running them over with a mm-hmm. panic driver. Yeah. But out of the front of the bus, you just see that comes crawling one of those creatures, and you're just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> um, like, and there's even like a John Krasinski cameo thing, like that was dead. They just like passed him <laughs> on the street, um, but like, yeah. And then it cuts to more of the story of the new film in the present, with them basically like picking up and leaving the scene of the first film, and trying to walk out and find other towns and civilizations. And they come with Killian Murphy's character they run into who looks like he's been through some stuff mm-hmm. and is broken and may kind of play that Tim Robbins role in uh, War of the Worlds where somebody you like ally with you think mm-hmm. is good but slowly but surely starts to reveal he's nuts. 
Um, I mean, I feel like somebody saw Killian Murphy and Dunkirk and would be like, that, that would be great. <laughs> uh, and so we don't know how that's going to go. But uh, the whole dread of it now that I like is not just the monsters, but the fact that this family is going out into this very even bigger, more perilous world, carrying this more dangerous MacGuffin, which is a baby in a box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we like boxing babies. Well, but I, uh, I also... And, well, I'm just well, saying that... They're carrying this like all important piece of knowledge with them mm-hmm. that we know from the first film, which is how you can actually kill these monsters that they got to effectively get out and spread before they can get killed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I also like the the fact that, you know, we're in the first movie. The threat was just very much the monsters, right? And staying alive where now it seems like the, the monsters are uh, just dressing, really window dressing and the real threat are going to be probably bad humans yeah uh, and I like, I like the, yeah, the, yeah i like the flip on that not even bad humans just people who are just like who this broke like messed yeah, them yeah. up it's, oh yeah absolutely yeah. it's like what is it all the people that worth saving aren't here so like, there's yeah. some mm-hmm. part of that tagline so I, yeah i i got very much like the first one i agree it had had a lot more uh very, it was much more of a monster movie yeah it me. really was and this one i get very much like last of us vibes mm-hmm. um where it's just like these people, like especially, I mean, I know there's only so much you can do with a post-apocalyptic city setting, but it very much as they're like walking through and they're like they're meeting somebody in it. And that game is all about really just meeting the people and the dysfunctional people that are still around because it takes a certain kind of crazy eccentric to make it this far <laughs> for the most part. Um, you know, and they were a little different because they were all together. Yeah, you either had to be like very either conspiracy theory or violent beforehand, like prisoners, nut yeah. jobs. Or something like, you know, you, part of you, a group where you could yeah. survive or something together. broke inside you and you yeah. snapped and you had to do something and you became that person who like Carol, like you were. If you're by yourself stuff. here, there's a there's probably there's a disturbing reason as yeah. to why. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, I, I very much like that vibe. Yeah. So I think Quiet Place 2 Part 2 is looking pretty good in one of our most horror, anticipated horror films of this year. And uh, could be the rare sequel that really either matches up to or outdoes the original. So definitely looking forward to that. I also think that. Jim mentioned it where, the, like, just the fact that they show so much of the monsters mm-hmm. in this one. I kind of dig that. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm typically of the Cloverfield school. Like, I like to see glimpses, but I don't like to see the yeah. whole thing. Here's the thing. I think showing the monsters in this trailer, if there's anyone who is like, oh, I keep hearing about A Quiet Place, the first movie, seeing this trailer, I think, will make them go want to see they, the uh, first yeah. one. That's, yeah. that's probably true. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So now it's time for our deep dive segment. And uh, today we are going to be talking full spoilers for The Witcher. So uh, toss a coin to anybody who hasn't seen it and tell them to go uh, get themselves a lollipop or something because we're going to be talking full spoilers about The Witcher. All right. So The Witcher. You know, we're not going to go over the general plot because if if you guys want to hear that, you can hear our official review Matt and uh, Rollin did. It tells you kind of what the premise of the series is. Uh, and what the episodes kind of play like without spoilers. Uh, the thing we're going to talk about here is kind of the pros and cons and just the experience of watching The Witcher and what people have been kind of giving us some feedback. So mm-hmm. uh, The Witcher has, like I said, become, I mean, the measure of any of these streaming shows is what kind of buzz they can generate online. And it seems like The Witcher scored and done well. The Bard character, the song, the music from this show is becoming a hit. Uh, toss a coin to your Witcher is a bona fide Fantastic, hit. Yeah. 
Uh, Even though the soundtrack's somehow not out. Come on, Netflix. <laughs> Get on your game. <laughs> Henry Cavill's performance as Geralt of Rivera. Is that it? Rivera? Uh, Geralt of Rivia. Rivia. Geralt of Rivia. I got none of that right. <laughs> All right. But his <laughs> Geralt of Rivia. Did you watch the show? Dude, I binged it. I binged it sitting in the office trying to get everything done with Star Wars before we went on break. And like, that's Props. how I did it. So I have to see it again. Yeah. Because, you know. That's how I, I did a lot of the Mandalorian. I was happy. I, that I, was, yeah, I mean, that's how I did the Mandalorian It was on my too. screen. And exactly. Like, hey, I had like to come it. in here every right. Friday and the first thing I had to do was put it on. So I have, I'm Respect. actually saving it up in the actual marathon rewatch of the Mandalorian no too so it. I can actually watch it fully. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but no, I mean, I was amazed I was able to gather all the timeline stuff <laughs> yeah. from yeah. how I was watching that show, but uh, that's what we're here to talk about. So Henry Cavill's performance has, I mean, become meme-worthy up and down the <laughs> internet, <laughs> quotables everywhere, um, other characters and things like, uh, what's her name, the crooked Batgirl? I'm oh, Yennefer. Yennefer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the stuff that they've all said, like, they're all kind of bona fide hits. So the thing to talk about The Witcher is, first, there are a couple subjects I'll mark down. Number one, the pilot. This show is like the best show with one of the worst pilots I've seen. (laughs) I've had to actively campaign, and I know I'm not alone. A lot of people have do this who had friends, family who started and were like, I got halfway through the first episode, I'm out. Like, it's not, and I'm like, and the thing I tell people is, I was about to drop out in the middle of the second episode. I was like, you got to at least make it to the end of episode one. Mm -hmm. Because when you get to the end of episode one, that fight sequence lets you know, like, yeah. Okay, and like my older brother was like, "Yeah, I got to that," and I was like, <laughs> "All right, here we go, episode two. And I was like, "Yeah," and you understand, like this is why. What's his name? Gerald. Gerald. I can't stand the Game of Thrones <laughs> names, like where the G's don't mean what they mean in the real world. Okay, so Gerald, like when he just just demolishes a group of human, you know, people who are trying to jump him. You like, I mean, it makes sense why there isn't more action because with from him is this dude is. Yeah. Is a master. Like he can annihilate <laughs> people. And the whole point is he doesn't want to be seen as a monster. So he's trying not to do that. Um, but yeah, anytime there's a fight sequence with Geralt, like it's it's pretty awesome in the show. Mm-hmm. And there are several really great fight sequences in the show. That one at uh, six is amazing. Which one is that with That's the dragon? The one with the dragon. Yeah. I love yeah, the one with the dragon. Because you actually get to see him and Yennefer yeah, together. Him, Yennefer, those two like African chicks yeah, who are not get African the, in the I, show. But the like, only thing missing was the dwarves. Yeah. Like those guys not being a part of it were um, like that was kind of funny to me where they were just like all frozen on the path. <laughs> Jennifer like freezes them and they're just like standing there like what's going on? <laughs> and the bard's like running around when he wakes up finally and he's like him. oh my god. Yaskier is a but uh, yeah he's I mean he's just a meme machine himself like and that guy in the actor's performance. So the thing you got to do is like push people through like the first episode maybe two to get there. And the second thing is you got to kind of warn them about the timeline mm-hmm. thing because. This is the biggest hang-up people seem to have with The Witcher who actually get into the show for inexplicable reasons that I'm sure Matt, who has experienced the games and the books a little more, knows. You're watching three different storylines for three different characters, and they're occurring in three different kind of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and the show does not in any way indicate that to you. There is no like establishing like this year. Yeah. Or this place even, like or like that. <laughs> yeah. You kind of just go, and it's not, it's not a deal breaker because a lot of the episodes are structured as their own self-contained like little storylines, almost like mini movies that you can watch through. And all you got to care about is the actual episode, the arc of that individual yeah. episode. So it doesn't kill your experience. But what happens in the pilot is the fall of Citra happens, which is a major battle sequence. People die left and right and all that. And then they start showing back up in the show. 
later on in episodes. <laughs> yeah. And the first time that happens, it's so disconcerting because especially the the queen, the lion, of that, and that was my through line. I just attached to her. And I was yeah. like, okay, on, anytime man. she's alive, like we're back in this time yeah. period. Anytime I don't see her and I know she's dead or they mention she's dead, we're, we're later on. Yeah. Like, and now it's how I just kept it grounded. I made it as simple as that for myself. Yep. And that was, a, a, that was surprisingly effective. That was the perfect way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't try to get into Yennefer or the sorcerers or when that was happening because <laughs> all that, I was like, she had a crooked back, now she's hot. That's all I need to know. <laughs> like, that's it. And, and eventually her and Gerald have some history and we see that history and, yeah. and we get to get that. But um, yeah, you got to warn them that like time is not linear here. This is not just a straight start at the beginning, going to the end. Like all these things are happening because they converge. And the show thinks it's very clever in the way that it does that with the logos in the beginning. And then like the final episode, yeah. all the different logos you've been watching, like finally coalesce into the full mm-hmm. on logo of the witcher oh that's clever i was i was like i was like oh yeah you're so clever that was clever because i didn't know people are going to understand that i didn't notice that at all and i was like oh that's what i still doesn't help you understand the time no exactly you're so (laughs) clever you're so freaking clever but it looked awesome yeah it looked awesome and i'm sure the show seemed very 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 satisfied with itself when it did it was like ah you see what we did there i was like i did i don't know how many other people will but i did um but yeah so when it all does come together, it, it does make sense because once you begin to understand things like the rule of surprise and, and their whole and how this show treats the fact that these characters, and I almost wish this was a little more pronounced, they could have beat you over the head with it, that like destiny is like a real guiding principle to these people. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's a serious thing, like and, and messing with dis- destiny, karma, whatever you want to have it, is like a serious consideration in their world. Yeah. And I think they could have beat you over the head a little bit more about that in the beginning because they kind of mention it in the conversations Gerald having, especially with that former princess. Um, oh, Renfrey. Yeah, Renfrey and how she talks about her fate and all that stuff. Mm. But it becomes such an important part of the show. I wish they had just spelled that out a little more. Because when you do see, you know, Geralt kind of fighting you got Destiny. It. You got it. You got it. Fighting <laughs> Destiny and then eventually having to meet up with the girl in the woods and all that. Um, it is pretty awesome setup yeah. for season two. So I think you just got to push the people that you know through those two things that you got to get through some of the, the setup episodes. I mean, the fall of Citra is exciting, so I don't know why people are complaining about that. It's because they don't attach to the characters. Yeah. And that's kind of the downfall. You see all these people die and you don't know them. Mm-hmm. I had somebody, one of my more cynical friends say that, like, I see all these people dying and killing themselves. I don't care. Who the F is that? Yeah. Like, I don't know you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, okay. Yeah. Um, but... It does become more powerful later. I, I understand the payoff because when you think back to that scene later on and you're more attached and woven into this, you're like, oh, wow, that was like a pretty messed up yeah. ending for these characters and Destiny and all that stuff. Especially for characters like Mousesack and yeah. uh, like uh, King East. Um, yeah. You know, th- those guys really like you get the benefit. And I think it's episode four. I think it's episode four when you see the sequence where Geralt's there. And they they're meeting, you know, for the first time and the thing. And then you're really starting to get attached to them. I I didn't have a my thing was I I think it was in the first thing in our review when we talked about it that like the episode, the pilot's a little slow yeah. to begin mm-hmm. with. Um, I liked it a lot. But my main issue, because I had somebody I had a couple calls midway through. Right. Of, OK, what the hell's happening with why? Is, why is this person alive? Like I had <laughs> multiple calls or texts that said. Okay, I don't understand. Is this something? And I was like, no, 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 just keep 
Like it's you also, have to watch. It's weird too when you have. Well, the a first show. thing I did was go to check and see if I missed an episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Like you have a show like Watchmen that played with timelines incredibly well. That like for me coming from that to this, I was like, whoa, whoa, hold yeah. on a second. Um, but I have a question. I have a question for you though. A lot of people, you know, even before this, this show was to come out, everyone's like, oh my God, it's going to be like a new Game of Thrones. This show is not Game of Thrones. No. It's only Game of Thrones in the sense that it is a fantasy type show that has a lot of moving parts to it. Well, also in that the pilot's trash. <laughs> yeah, sure. But I wouldn't go trash. Could, well, I, 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 you guys, I'm being flippant, but yeah. like Game of Thrones, people don't, people now it's such a phenomenon, but if you go back and watch Game of Thrones pilot episode, mm. it's incredibly slow. Yeah. Like nothing happens in that except people walking around Winterfell talking. Yeah. <laughs> like, and an instant, a creepy incest scene at the end. Yeah. A kid gets pushed out the window. But, but it's because it has the cachet now because they, yeah. right. they built on that. Well, do you think that, do you think the Witcher could grow to be that or does the witcher will the witcher just continue to be its own thing and it's not the thing i think Game this of Thrones is uniquely its for. own bird yeah. and i think and for better or worse and so far seems like better mm -hmm. um that it's its own bird like it some people are never going to get into this show mm -hmm. but there's that's too okay much, yeah there's too much heavy fantasy and we've only scratched the surface yeah well mm -hmm. I, and that was one of the biggest things i remember like i think it was after the first trailer and i, I think it was brandon yep. who like bought them was like well is this going to be the next game of thrones and even i i find it personally funny that like uh we've seen reactions from like freya allen who plays siri uh lauren hisrick uh the showrunner and uh anya shalotra who plays yennefer right we've seen reactions to the constant uh stark references the are you going to be the new Arya? are you going to be the new like this and there's always this game of thrones thing and their reactions are hilarious it's very oscar isaac uh <laughs> star wars reactions of like a roll of the eyes a sigh like there is that thing because i get it uh recency bias is oh that's the newest thing and when game of thrones was coming out everyone compared it to lord of the rings yeah because that yep. was the hotness at the time and uh, for some reason, you can only do one fantasy genre show at a time. So people can do. <laughs> <laughs> so, like that was my biggest thing of these worlds, just in book form, are just really different. And and I think what the first episode actually does uh, is display that. I think one of the things the the pilot gets right is that's the book as far as the tone. It's this gruff, curmudgeonly dude making his way who has a lot more humanity than he lets on because right. that they perpetuate the myth that they are feelingless and have no emotions just so that they don't have to barter as much and deal with as much. That's why but we got to remember there are going to be so many people coming to this. But my point is Ooh. that first pilot exhibits that perfectly. If I were to describe the Witcher as far as here's the tone and here's the feeling of this world and here are the main characters, that pilot does the exact job I wanted to. That that's all. It's so different but from a Game of Thrones yeah, pilot, and that's good because they're not the same. They're well, they're not good, the same. But it's also a bad pilot. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad pilot. I think, I think it's, it's a very necessary pilot. I, I think they bet heavily on the twist of the format mm -hmm. of, of the timelines, and so they bet heavily on the binge model and people having to automatically sail through the pilot mm -hmm. and to kind of build on what it does. Which I mean, that was a risky gamble, and I think it's just that fact of word of mouth of enough passionate fans who keep saying, keep going, keep going, keep going, yeah. has has saved that because... And I think a lot of people understand uh, who, because this does have a lot of book readers, I think a lot of people understand why it was done, and I think they're willing to kind of give it a, 
yeah. past because like, okay, we're past it because that character, if we're following the book's timeline, Siri's not in the show mm-hmm. in the entirety of season one. Yeah. We don't meet her. She And she's at the times 11. So like, there's no way to sync up a hundred year old Geralt, a 70 year old Yennefer and a Siri that is older that, you know, fans are going to care about <laughs> as, as a character without doing some weird stuff with the timeline. My big thing is just do a better job of illustrating, hey, here's where we are. And because the show does not do that at all. Yeah. I mean, even if you had done like different filters for like yeah. different times. Just give like, me a 30 years later or 20 years or, or like a, a year or whatever. It was way in the past, like more drab, yeah, colorless filters. Just something, something that's overt. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. Um, but we, all right. Can we talk about the format argument real quick? Or Yeah, yeah. We got a little bit of time okay. before we got to move on. Um, so, the big, so the big question that a lot of people were saying, and it's in sort of real stark contrast to uh, The Mandalorian. Mandalorian was coming out weekly, which we got uh, in a binge. And there are people saying, well, you know, I like weekly better. Charlie. People I like, I like binge better. Um, Charlie Brandon, where, Rockies, Ben Kendrick. Well, I mean, look, we, we I, I'm, a, I'm a person who like, I like the weekly, I like the weekly model. Um, but I, my, my caveat there is, the the show has to be made for that format. Yeah. And if someone is going in creating a show knowing it's going to be a binge show, then different decisions have to get made yeah. as far as episode cadence and story beats and things like that. Where it's like if you're doing something on a, a weekly basis, like, you know, your show can your show can basically live or die by, you know, the cliffhanger or, you know, big reveals and things like that. And so while both have their merits, The Witcher in its current form would no way be a good weekly show. Well, it's funny you bring that up, Jim, because I'm well, yeah. write an article I mean, about like, that. Yeah. <laughs> I've done this. I've done this since since the binge model started, like ten years ago. And I mean, I was arguing. I always argue that there is no one format, and Thank every you. time we start arguing that, <laughs> it's very disingenuous. I even went. Reach. On, we had this out on Twitter, all of us. Right. And I even pointed out at one point, like Kofi caught me with the boys because I, I thought the boys was weekly. Well, Charlie said that too, and I'm like, the boys <laughs> was a binge. Yeah, I ended, what are you watching, doing? I ended up watching the boys. Basically Stranger weekly. Things is a binge. Like, yeah, there's a lot of. I, I see. I don't like. And, it, and it's so. this. It's, Here's the bottom line that I put to it. Like, there are two types of streaming shows that are created. Mm-hmm. One is long form movies, mm-hmm. Stranger Things, and the and the Duffer Brothers say. Like Stranger Things isn't a series; it's 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 a movie. Yeah, that's why they call it Stranger Things one, two, and three. So it's just one long movie, like broken up, and they do the episode things just to space it out for yeah. you. But that's why binging Stranger Things is never doesn't feel bad, mm-hmm. and why it's called on and, and it retains its relevance because it's it's a it's made for that format. It's a long movie, so you binge it. The Mandalorian, which by the way, everybody started this whole conversation because the Mandalorian, yeah, I know. like weekly's better. There it is. You see the Mandalorian. <laughs> that was the only su- really majorly <laughs> successful streaming mainstream success streaming show of the year. Like was the only one that was weekly. Everything else, Haunt, Haunting of Hill House, Stranger Things three, um, the boys, all of that was binge. Yeah. So and all of that was successful, but. Okay. And also, you know, Disney's other weekly shows on there, you don't even talk about <laughs> yeah. that are also weekly. They have six other shows that release and no one cares. No. But Mandalorian has it. And all of a sudden we got to paint everything with the same brush. No. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> we're not in on this argument. We got to move on. But like, yeah, um, I think it, like I said, so it depends if, if you're making an actual TV show, like the mm-hmm. Mandalorian is a TV show. Yes. 
So yeah, that makes sense weekly. And it worked very well weekly because like you said, because of the TV show, they pace it, they build it in, there's reveals. They yeah. reveal Baby Yoda at the end of episode one, and then we talk about it for a week. Yeah. And then we come back and we see it, and then, you know, all that. But even so, people are all now glossing over the fact that half the people who are saying everything should be weekly started were the same ones also complaining the Mandalorian wasn't moving fast enough. There wasn't enough stuff happening in this show, like, and also by episode four and five. If you read stuff now, it's, oh, hey, we're unsubscribing from Disney Plus now. Even though they have the weekly show, like yeah, all exactly. the same problems, also. But I will well, say, Jim is right. They're unsubscribing because Mandalorian. What I will say, Jim is right in the regard to me that if you put the way The Witcher is currently formatted mm -hmm. into that weekly thing, I I don't think, and that's actually the premise of the article is essentially like I think binging helps The Witcher because the timeline issues would be a consistent negative mm -hmm. every yeah. week until. Six, seven weeks later, yeah. when they and all start to coalesce, and then people are like, oh, hey, it's decent now. Well, well, the narrative is totally well, different. It, than it, works, for, it, it works for the Watchmen, though. No. The Watchmen would not have the same amount of, of people don't like the timeline. As opposed to Watchmen, it's just something that happens. There was not a lot of outright negativity on the Watchmen's timelines. Well, because they, they did it well. I'm saying here, the way it is structured, there is that, okay, well, we don't like it right now, but the it wins a lot of people over as they watch the whole thing i don't think it has well, that because, narrative because the because weekly. the watchman built intrigue around but i'm saying as it all. i'm not debating the that, approach yeah. i'm yeah. not the filmmaker or the series maker <laughs> uh, what i'm saying is as it is currently constructed oh, yeah. then yes it and does not work the timelines were kind of a reveal and not opposed to like the main actual format of the show sure. the main f action of the show was was linear it yeah. was taking place in modern day Oklahoma, and this is what was happening. Mm -hmm. The divergences and flashbacks and stuff that were built into it were surprises and novelties, um, but they weren't the main format of the show. Right. Um, we got to move on, but uh, let us know what you guys think about The Witcher. I, I mean, just to conclude, I think that if people weren't able to just push ahead without asking questions a little bit faster with this show, it, it would fall apart. Um, but that's just me. But let us know what you guys think. Hashtag Comic Nation. Now we have like no time left, but we are going to go through <laughs> 2020. We all wrote down some things we're excited about in 2020 and wanted to share with you guys. So we're going to make this a little more truncated than it was. But uh, we'll go through and everybody will tell you a little bit about what they're looking forward to. Uh, me personally, I wrote down what I'm looking forward to in 2020 the most is I'm looking forward to the Marvel shows on Disney Plus mm -hmm. finally becoming a thing. Falcon and Winter Soldier. And now... WandaVision got moved up, so we're getting WandaVision this year, and I'm really looking forward to that because after seeing The Mandalorian and like what it did for Star Wars live-action TV series, mm -hmm. something I've been waiting decades for, yeah. and how that played out, I am so thrilled to see how the MCU gets more depth and exploration and, and In a way excitement. that we never got from Marvel television. Yeah, exactly. In a way that we never got from Marvel television because this will be the first time that like the, the promise of the true multi-platform interconnected mcu mm -hmm. is realized and i like all the subjects i'm really excited to see the kind of espionage action of winter soldier and falcon and i'm kind of really and i still think real wandavision will be the sleeper hit mm -hmm. like that Agreed. it's going to be something very unique but open up something really big that gets marvel fans super duper jazzed going into 2021 so i'm really looking forward to those um, for movie i put on uh chris nolan's tenant i didn't want to do it but i looked through movies coming out this year and it's a little sparse right, yeah, right now. Yeah, it's not as exciting as I thought it was. Yeah. 
Because, I mean, we did reach, as somebody I saw an article, peak geekdom. I mean, we had Avengers Endgame and that whole saga that we've been on for 10 years. Star Wars is ending (laughs) like a 30 plus year Mm -hmm. trip we've been on. And now it's just kind of like, what's next? I was going to say, then throw Game of Thrones in there. Like, yeah, you pretty much, it's a reset year. Yeah, and like in a reset year and a very pivotal reset year where we're we're figuring out which one of those futures we're going to end up in, like a Star Trek type future or one of those many dystopian (laughs) futures that we've seen in movies and TV shows. Um, so we're all kind of waiting on that and there's a certain amount of anxiety in that. And like, yeah, the movies are kind of sparse this year. It's not as exciting as I thought it was going to be. But, uh, one that does stand out is Chris Nolan's Tenet, um, which is kind of his like next inception from the looks of it, uh, with, uh, John Washington, David or Don David Washington. Sorry, flip that around. And this whole kind of gimmick of, of reversing time at key moments and how that plays, I think Charlie Ridgely, who's not here with us today, um, basically saw the extended preview in IMAX and said it was crazy. The action's going to be crazy. The kind of sci-fi gimmick on top of that's going to be crazy. So I'm really looking forward. I hope we get back to kind of classic Nolan. Before we went on these divergences with with Interstellar or even Dunkirk, which I love, mm. but I love the sci-fi action like Nolan movie. Yeah, I like when really. Nolan makes you think. Yeah, exactly. Agree. And let's be honest, as people who do this for a living, we could use another Inception. I made Big Bank <laughs> off Inception. So I'm looking forward to a movie that people have theories on and want to read about and Andy explains. And this is perfect timing. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> Nolan. All right. So that's Tenet. And of course, I can't get out of here without saying I got to rep. The beginning of MCU Phase 4 happens this year, Mm -hmm. where we begin to answer the question, can Marvel make lightning strike twice? The Infinity Saga is over. A lot of big stars have left. A lot of big characters are done for. Um, And the main Avengers run, like Thor is pretty much about to be holding this whole thing down himself. And will these new crop of movies, because it's been kind of tepid so far. People are excited, but it's not the same level of excitement, right? I was amazed there was one of these on your on your list. Well, but I think but I think a lot of it goes hand in hand with I know what wait, hold on. I know what Matt's throwing shade about. So of course the two movies we get this year are Black Widow, which he's not surprised. No, I, I'm no, psyched no. out, but Eternals is the other one. And I have been somewhat critical or skeptical of Eternals, to put it mildly. And I still am, but I'm excited to see I want that movie. This to be is good. I started my career because of these Marvel movies. Like I've I've made no secret of that. And so, like, when I started doing this was right after Iron Man and Incredible Hulk and, like, at the tail end of Incredible Hulk is when I started writing my first articles. And the whole thing about who will they find with, for Thor? Who will they find for Captain America? How will this Avengers thing? I remember the excitement of writing all that and the uncertainty, and it was very exciting. So I'm really kind of glad to be back there as much as I'm scared or nervous about it. And, I, and, I'm, and even Eternals is the big one. Black Widow is still something... From the be, old yeah. world, mm-hmm, like the yeah. Eternals is when we truly step out into can we go full Marvel, like yeah. full Marvel, and have the public respond. And I'm excited to see that. So that's Jim me in 2020. Yes. Jim says yes. Right? I hope so. I'm Mike. Well, and, I mean, we're looking. I know we're happy looking at Camille and Johnny like right now. And, <laughs> <laughs> my so. my biggest concern about like, the Eternals is also on my list because I'm a huge Eternals fan to begin with. But my con- biggest concern about the Eternals is that they're not going to go Kirby enough. That that they will find some way and show and and show restraint and and won't hit that. And I think that's going to be the inevitable criticism of that movie is that it 
it may end up being too boring. Because when you look at the Eternals outside of, when you look at the human aspects of those Eternals characters, the human characters are boring as hell. Um, the the more godlike side of those characters, that's the stuff that's interesting. The, the stuff that gets is put at play there with the deviants and, and all of that. That's what I want to see more of. And I'm just concerned that we won't. So nice to have a Eternals fan, like refreshing. Like it's refreshing. I don't think, oh. I don't think they exist. <laughs> uh, dude, read the the first. The, you're not going to be able to find copies of the first Kirby run. So just get the two trades. There's uh, they Marvel put them out in two trades. They're fantastic. Jim, do you have anything they're, else they're, for 2020 yeah. since we're on you? Uh, the only other thing that was was what we're kind of what we talked about before is I'm kind of excited for a bit of a break year in, in that. I mean, I'm not excited from a traffic standpoint because that's going to suck. But, <laughs> um, but really, I mean, like we got a lot this past year and I'm really curious to see what the discourse is like with things like the MCU starting, you know, phase four, how the Disney plus shows will start factoring into all of that. You can't forget too. We're going to get HBO max this year as well. And so I'm curious to see what the future of DC looks like in multimedia, right? Like DC universe is a, the shows are, the shows are, are a mixed bag. A lot of people like a lot of this stuff. Um, I'm loving Harley Quinn. I love Doom Patrol. I was so, so on, on Titans. Stargirl does not, uh, does not excite me even a little bit, but they clearly have shown that they are willing to put the budget up to put these shows together. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that someone will come in creatively, uh, will, will come in creatively and put something together on, on that front because, if there were ever a year for DC to get their act together, it is it is this year. Yeah, this year is the platform. And they have good stuff. Like Wonder Woman is yeah, anchoring uh, Wonder the middle Woman, of the year. Birds of Prey will be, will, will yeah. be interesting to see. Yeah, Birds of Prey, Wonder Woman. What's yeah, their end of year movie? I feel like I'm lo- missing one giant one. Am Who? I missing an end of year DC movie? Or is that it? So. No, because ba- Batman's, Batman's 2021. Yeah, I think it's huh? it. Okay, wow. Yeah. yeah, they just have two movies. Um. Oh, okay. That's it. I think I, I'm, I'm excited to, to slow yeah, down Wonder a bit. Woman and uh, just Wonder Woman and oh, okay. Birds of Prey. Wow. Then All the right. Batman, Suicide Squad next year, and That's then Aquaman wow. and Flash okay. probably 2022. Yeah. Jeez, so, so, no, I'm just uh, I'm looking to really enjoy the stuff that comes out this year because it, if it's bad, it's going to be a long year. All right, Matt. Uh, so for me, uh, just off the, off the bat, uh, two TV shows uh, I will look forward to a season two. Of Witcher, because that is probably coming 2020, <laughs> kind of late 2020. Also, boys, I am so oh, yeah. nice. I am so that. excited. It was I mean, on my list, but I had to do the Marvel stuff. <laughs> uh, boys, I mean, I I adore that show. I cannot wait. And I feel like, uh, you know, there was so much social media stuff of because that kind of came out of left field. Everyone was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just discovered this. And now I have to wait forever. And it was so nice to hear they were already filming. So yeah. it was like, oh, you're already on the. So uh, I am stoked for that. Uh, as far as uh, it's a big it might be a small movie year but it's a big game year uh final fantasy 7 remake is in march oh, i cannot yeah. wait for that game uh, i've been waiting for that for every week <laughs> i'm so stoked uh also marvel's avengers comes out in may I'm, I'm excited for that and crystal dynamics i trust so i'm hoping they don't let me down um and then resident evil 3 also comes out and all of those are top half of the year so that's mm. not even like middle to late end of the calendar where typically all the big guns come out mm-hmm. um you know last of us 2 is also uh this coming year so uh we got a lot of stuff there uh real quick uh resident uh not resident evil 3 spider woman mm-hmm. i had to do a comic spider woman number one spider woman gets her own series uh and then i just want info on dragon age 4 
And I want info on uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2. I know and, they won't release. And Moon Knight. Because this year, because this well, year, I didn't we will get our Moon Knight 20, casting. But, okay, casting, yes. Yeah, I want to know who Mark Spector is going to be. And I am excited for uh, that. Radcliffe, do you, do you like that? I pick. don't mind that pick. I think Daniel Radcliffe is yeah. not a bad pick. I, I don't think he's too big. I don't, I don't think he has for the Mark physique Spector. for it. He has the what? Physique, physique. for it. He could. He could put it on. No, he's a little I, short, though. Yeah. He's a little, he was a little short. So I, I am gonna, excited for that. Gonna I, have, I didn't He's going to have to it. get some of those De Niro platforms that he was uh, sporting in The Irishman. Because Moon Knight's 2021. Right? Yep, 2021. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, casting, I want to hear news about that. And also, uh, as far as movies, uh, Pixar Soul uh, is one of their kind of new original IPs. That just looks, it's one of those that just has the look of it's going to be one of those that just like steals my heart. It's Pixar, be very Pixar had, I, to me, I think does terrible teasers or like teaser trailers, um, but usually shows up when the movie you didn't inevitably like the comes teaser out. for Soul. No, I didn't like the teaser for Inside Out either, which is which oh, okay. is very similar to that, or it, really any of the other Pixar movies. I feel once, like Onward's going to make the most money. I feel like Soul's going to be my favorite when it comes to those two. Those are the two originals coming down the pike. So. All right. Is that it for you? That's it for me. All right. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning back in with us after this brief holiday hiatus. If you are just getting into the show now, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com, where you can subscribe to our RSS feed and get regular updates about new episodes of the show. You can also subscribe on your favorite listening platform. We are on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts and Google Playlist, or you can find episodes uploaded to YouTube every week on the comicbook.com YouTube page. All right. If you want to continue the discussion with us about anything, hit us up at the hashtag ComicBookNation, or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. At Jim Viscardi. And if you love the show, go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. We're going to kick off this new year by uh, next week when Janelle Wheeler's back. We'll probably read through some more reviews hey. from over the holiday season so we can get some uh, late holiday gifts out in the form of T-shirts to everybody who leaves us a five-star review on iTunes. And if we read it on the show, you get your free shirt. So be sure Boom. to get those reviews in. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you for joining us back in 2020. This is Comic Book Nation. We're out. Deuces. Thank you.